This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. And we change tune and we change country and we come back home. And we are back in South Africa. Of course, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Josien So Ramahopa in the next um, hour half an hour, of course, to the top of the hour. Look at me. I'm wanting to give myself another hour here. Um, It is 11.34, so of course, we've got about 26 minutes to the top of the hour. And Dr. Josienzo Ramachopa joining me. And of course, he is the head of the investment and, and infrastructure office in the president of South Africa. Some of those people who were deployed to the office of the president of South Africa. And in recent times, we've been talking about people who were deployed. And again, last night, the president was talking about cutting red tape and issues of that nature and why he is deploying people to his office so that he can have firsthand or straight out intervention. So the intervention that comes is direct intervention from the highest office, of course. So the first Of the updated National Infrastructure Plan 2050, the NIP 2050 points to a substantial finance gap of at least $2 trillion that will have to be closed if South Africa is to build the economic infrastructure required to deliver the growth and social objectives outlined in the National Development Plan, of course, the NDP. Gazetted last week by Public Works and Infrastructure Minister Patricia DeLille, the document focuses on exclusively energy, water, freight, transport and digital communications infrastructure with a second section that follows, focusing then, of course, on distributed infrastructure and related municipal services. Then in the next half an hour, we're going to be having that conversation and seeing how it is going to shift and how it's going to happen and what we as a country need to do. And one of the first questions I'm going to ask him, Dr. Welcome. Oh, Denzel, thank you very much uh, for the invite and uh, good morning to your listeners. Good morning. Tell me firstly, why is it important? And I think, you know, I think we have to say it sometimes. Why is it important to have a plan that ranges from 2016 to 2040? Well, I think there's a rich body of evidence across the world that successful nations, especially those who have achieved rapid development, have had a a long time horizon to to deliver on on their objectives. So it's not helpful just to focus on electoral cycles of five years. I think you need to build a consensus across the broad political spectrum and the multiple social actors on what should constitute the end goal. And uh, as you go through the cycle of elections, mm. you, you shouldn't undermine, if you like, the discipline of pursuing that uh, that goal. So you mm. can see that the, the examples of the Asian Tigers, as we refer to them, Singapore, South Korea, mm. and have had uh, a long-range uh, planning. Of course, leadership plays an important part uh, a singular vision on that which you want to achieve and you are able to, like I said, galvanize also private sector participation There's the, an appreciation of the, what the collective aspiration of the country is. So it's important that you are able to 
to galvanize people uh, behind a, a particular agenda that is, uh, is uh, traverses uh, multiple generations. Uh, of course, the extent to which you are able to achieve uh, 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 progress uh, is a function, like I said, of a, a multiplicity of factors. Some of them are exogenous factors. They are really beyond your control. But principally, they are about leadership and, uh, and, uh, and focus. And of course, once you you articulate a long-range vision, I think you, you need then to granularize it, to see mm. in the first three years uh, what will constitute uh, a significant progress, uh, failing which you, you must then uh, employ, if you like, uh, mitigating measures to rectify, remedy that situation so that you, you remain on course. And, and by definition, these long-range, long-range uh, visions they have to be agile, at least in terms of their periodic assessment. Like I said, I mean, we have had the National Development Plan about 2012 or so. Yeah. It never anticipated COVID, as an example. Yeah. It never anticipated the Europe going into war. I mean, the, the, the Russia-Ukraine war has got the ripple effect across the globe. So it never anticipated that. So I'm just saying that in the design of that long-range vision, you yeah. you, you must uh, infuse some degree of agility so that you are able to to respond to the moment, to the anticipated, uh, and then you are able to reconfigure and bring it back on track. So it's important that you do that. Uh, and it's a, and it's a responsibility beyond a political party. It's a responsibility that the political party or the government that is in power at that point. Uh, realizes and perceives to be in the better interest of the country. Yes, and that's why it, that is why in its formulation, it must not have a political party dimensions, mm-hmm. if you like. So it must uh, really elevate um, the the interest of the sovereign above their political party interest. So, like I said, there has to be for 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 Lagos better way, if you like, a social compact to say. We are committed to this agenda, and mm-hmm. you can see how uh, we're able to develop the, the NDP. I mean, uh, it, it, it draws its legitimacy from uh, the, the, the democratization of mm-hmm. its formulation. So everyone can commit to the NDP, whether you are from the left, left right, or right of the ideological spectrum. I think there's a general consensus you have to fight unemployment, special inequality, racial injustices, uh, ensure that there's universal access, improve the quality of learning and teaching and healthcare. So those are, if you like, uh, consensus issues. So they, 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 they are not polarizing issues. Of course, uh, how you execute that, the strategies that you implement to get there, mm. it's a function of uh, ideological uh, orientation. I mean, if you let's go back to the reference of uh, the Asian Tigers, the state took the lead. So you, 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 you never um, placed a lot of faith really exclusively on uh, capital, the trickle-down effect to mm-hmm. say that uh, let capital thrive and then it will resolve these things. The state took the lead. Uh, the state was at the forefront and then uh, it galvanized society and mm-hmm. other the non-state actors behind the execution of the uh, of that mission and that's where i mean you can see the kind of uh, progress and strides they've made yes. so like i said i mean our NDP is an immediate past example of what we've been able to achieve so you go across the party line everyone 
when there's a conversation and encounter with our problems and they'll uh, reference the NDP yes. because there's a general consensus across the board that that represents the kind of future that we want. That we are still on track is a separate conversation. Of course, it's a necessary conversation, yes. but for purposes of formulation, it's a separate uh, conversation. Of course, now we are deep into it, so there has to be an honest assessment of how far we are. And of course, what the NIP does... I wanted uh, to ask that, you about that. Is the NIP, the National infrastructure plan then an entity that 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 results from the NDP which is the broad absolutely mm. yes yes Denzel so so remember that the, the principal planning document in the country remains mm. the the NDP. The, the, the NDP yes and then you have the national national special framework so it's essentially around how do you reconfigure space to achieve spatial justice issues of uh, access, uh, reducing the carbon uh, footprint, just maximizing the resources that we have, ensuring that there's greater levels of efficiency uh, from a spatial perspective point of view. So what we are beginning to do with the NIP, we are saying that the NDP says there has to be universal access. Yes. So everyone in the country has got to have access to clean, potable water, for an example. Mm. Has to have, uh, has to be connected to the grid. And, and of course, there are new contemporaneous issues around the uh, fast, reliable, affordable internet access. So we are lifting those new things that are, are beginning to come. Of course, the NDP does articulate it. Um, of course, that sets targets, but we think that you need to accelerate that because, uh, of course, the advent of COVID and also, mm. if you like, the issues around um, how how people uh, encounter and interact with space has got a lot to do also with innovation, technology and the like. So it's important that if we are to improve the uh, competitive advantage of the country, you need mm. to elevate those. And then there are issues that... Uh, um, uh, during the formulation of the NDP were not on the horizon of the authors at the time and mm. society in general. It's an ever-changing I mean, world. Mm. Yeah, an ever-changing, yes, absolutely, yes, mm. Denzel. I mean, they, I mean, we couldn't have thought, I mean, eight years ago, something called green hydrogen mm. uh, to address the heart uh, to abate sectors like uh, avi- aviation and, and, and maritime. So we couldn't have uh, anticipated that. We couldn't have... Uh, anticipated the rethink of capital so that it becomes uh, relevant, uh, mm. so that it seeks to ensure that it leaves uh, as many people out of poverty and there's uh, this idea around um, environmental, social and governance investing. So the emphasis there is not necessarily the returns to, to the shareholder, but is the returns to society mm. that uh, takes uh, precedence. And there's a big pool of liquidity that uh, exists out there. So they, they, they wouldn't have been that anticipation at the time. The issues around cannabis, our relationship with mm. the uh, cannabis was uh, an illegal drug and that, but we know that... And suddenly now advantage. it's a commodity that can be exactly, exactly. useful. And, yes, and, and, and I think uh, we we have a, a huge opportunity as a country to exploit that. So uh, all I'm saying is that there has to be that degree yes. of uh, agility and, 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 and constantly revising, reviewing, but without undermining the strategic end goal. It's important yes. that the and you've put a and, and you've put a cost to that strategic end goal. Yes, yes, no, you are, you are right. You are yes, right. you put so a what, cost what to is, it. Yes. What, what what is the cost of not achieving that? Yeah. So we know in the immediate past the July incident. So essentially, the 
uh, an emergence of uh, collective grievance of uh, of the poor mm. at the state of the economy and the exclusion. Of course, mm. it took, uh, if you like, uh, uh, criminal manifestations, but yeah. the, the underlying causes needs to be resolved because uh, they begin to undermine both standing and the legitimacy of the state, mm. and therefore society organizes itself around outside the state. But also the issues there speak directly to the issues of the NDP. Exactly, yes, mm. yes. Denzel. So th- that's yes. why I'm saying that, of course, then let's enter that terrain. How far are we in achieving those objectives? Mm. We are far off. So the, I, the NDP advocates, amongst others, that we should be able to attain, uh, I think, uh, unemployment levels of about 6% or less. And mm. for us to be able to achieve that, we should be growing the economy by 5.4% on average year on year. Mm. We know we're not growing at those levels. I heard the president say that yesterday too. Yes, and that explains, yes, Denzel, that explains the fact that uh, unemployment levels now, I mean, you can see they remain unabated, uh, about 33% or so, uh, the the narrow definition, the expanded definition significantly higher. And if you look at uh, uh, unemployment as it relates to able-bodied young people between the age of 18 and 35 who are out of school, uh, it reaches, I mean, proportions of 70%, and we know the majority in the country here is uh, young people. So it's a perfect storm. So you need to address that. Mm. And that's the cost of not uh, addressing that. Yes. Uh, essentially, uh, people revolve a uh, groundswell of uh, uh, populist and uh, popular opinion against the sitting government and undermining legitimacy. So what the NIP seeks to do as part of the multiplicity of instruments at our disposal is to resolve those challenges. And like mm. you said at the introduction of the conversation, then the we focus firstly on what we call foundational network industries, energy, water, freight, transport, and ICT infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You may ask the next question, but why do you focus on this? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a rich body of evidence that suggests that the, the employment absorption capacity associated with delivering these sectors is significantly higher. They introduce greater levels of uh, efficiency in the economy, mobility, access to opportunities. Uh, uh, they're able to ensure that we broaden the flow of land-based uh, financing mechanisms for for municipalities you are able to address uh, spatial justice and then on average you are able to improve the quality of lives of uh, the people once you get those things right then you've got the potential of attracting uh, investors coming into the space south africa be, being a a destination of choice for purposes of uh, of investment so an investor will not come yeah. into our space for as long as you still have a uh, uh, rolling uh, blackouts, what you call load shedding, and investor won't come into this space and won't go to the far-flung rural areas for as long as you don't have uh, access to clean, potable water, um, uh, you don't have uh, the quality of roads are such that they're impassable, and therefore it makes it uh, very difficult for them to access the market. You are not, uh, like I said, connected to the grid. Even if you're connected, there's still the energy deficit, so you need to uh, address that. Of course, going into the future, we know that mm-hmm. the countries will be interested producing what we call carbon borders, essentially looking at the origin of uh, the, the goods, whether they were produced uh, uh, using green uh, technology, whether you, you have not been uh, deploying fossil fuels to get to the finished product. And if they find that to be the case, they are likely going to introduce tariffs. So you need to address those things. So going to the space of renewables and the like. So you have to provide mm. water 
you have there has to be good quality roads for purposes of mobility but in this focus in this instance we focus on freight transport yes. uh, because we want to move goods from road to rail i think uh, it improves competitiveness efficiency of course if you look at it as a network you know that uh, there are serious bottlenecks at our port uh, mm. the port of Steven and the like transnet is doing major interventions there so we're advocating for that for and and you can see there are now reforms to introduce that party operators on some of the freight uh, networks so, so that you increase, uh, you address the monopoly that is translated, you introduce uh, other players in that space and of course over a period of time hopefully we are going to, to reduce uh, the operating cost, Dr. become Ramachotza, more competitive. Yeah. Dr. Ramachopo, let's take a break. Uh, it's 11.50 I've got 10 more minutes with you. Uh, I have a few more questions but let's just take a break. Call Denzel on 0861-987-000. I'm going to go to the lines and I'm going to go to Safudi in Randfontein. Safudi, you've got a comment. Yeah, I've got a comment and, and I feel, uh, Mr. Big Star, good morning to you and your guest. He's there, he can listen to you, he's hearing you. Yes, you know, I feel Mr. Ramukhopa has beaten more than he can to, and, and this thing, of destroying in order to rebuild instead of consolidated consolidating what we had and look look denzel uh, right now the price of petrol has got the potential to reach 40 rand per liter mm. now for someone who earned 350 how is that person going to travel to Joburg? And, and, and if we had a rail line, a rail line to deliver a massive number of people, there would be a cushion. But right now, we have a government that doesn't care. We've got a minister who fears focus, who doesn't care whether anything that happened has got consequences due to his ineffectiveness. Sifudi, so I have to leave it there, Phil. Phil, are you with us? Hello. Phil, are you, are you speaking to, um, uh, to the doctor, Ramachopa? Yes, good morning, and, good, good morning, and how are you? He can hear you. Yes. Thank you very much. You know, the, the part of the, our approach for, you know, for, for, for reducing this stubbornly high number of unemployment mm. in, in our country, in our beautiful country, is to ensure that we move as quickly as possible to convert the infrastructure that we have uh, to be, you know, uh, a climate-friendly one, mm. so that it can give rise to to uh, green jobs. As uh, those are some of the immediate tools that we can. I know that when you invest in the infrastructure, the results you get them in the long term. But mm. now we need to use the those initiatives to say what are those uh, low-hanging fruits that we can we can we can capitalize on, so that we can arrest this this high number of. Of of, of 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 unemployment. Phil, I'm going to leave it there. Phil, Leon in Leon in Craigwell Park. Yes, thank you. Uh, I just want to ask, Mr. Uh, Ramakhopa, there. Yes. What is the role of infrastructure South Africa uh, insofar as helping municipalities? Because we have, I have actually on my desk two or three projects, social housing projects, that are not going forward because municipalities don't have capacity, uh, sewer up capacity and. You know that if you can't run your sewer, you can't run any civilization. Leon, I'm going to leave you there. Bonnie, Mamalodi? 
Eh, shalom. Eh, leadership eh, man kibo ni mo mamilodi mo from Texas Association ya Mata. Eh, yes. Negere man eh, kritisa di tebo ko to our previous mayor and Dada Ramoko Bawari. As the two associations which were rivals before, you remember 2015, you were the one, SMA, assisting us as, as Mamilodi Texas Association to come up with the company. Today, we are running those bus contracts in Mamilodi. And then it's so grateful that you've been with us. And then today we can hear ideas that you can continue doing the best, my leader. Bonnie, thank you so much, Bonnie. Uh, I think sometimes, Bonnie, we forget that he had a previous role and the job he did there, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely, Bonnie. Uh, Doctor, well, you know, um, comments first and then obviously you had a different role. But we, we leave that uh, yeah. for, for this conversation. And obviously it's good to know that, you know, people still remember you for the good things you did there. Uh, but comments to the conversations that you've just heard. Well, uh, we, I mean, the, the, the second last uh, question, I just forgot the name. So what we're doing, so you asked the question, what, how can infrastructure South Africa help in relation to uh, helping private sector projects uh, mm-hmm. to address some of uh, the, the needs in the municipality? So what we know for a fact is that uh, there's been a significant deterioration of the fiscal matrix in the country. The fiscal headspace is uh, diminishing, and uh, uh, also the allocation to municipalities through the grant uh, being curtailed because we have to reprioritize. And a lot of these municipalities have lost uh, the technical and financial engineering capacity mm-hmm. over the, over time. So they've been. But I see municipalities are an element of of the document. In essence, you've got yes, energy, yes. water, so freight, but you've so added pay, municipality we, services. Yes, so so the second phase of the NIP will deal with that. But specifically to that question that has been asked and also to other private sector, uh, if you like, project sponsors mm-hmm. who are listening, is that uh, if you listen to the the budget speech, uh, there's an additional allocation that has been made um, uh, that uh, will be facilitated by Infrastructure South Africa. And its intention is to help the this project by financing the bulk infrastructure, like the example of the social housing that the, mm. uh, the question that was raised here. So we acknowledge the limitations of municipalities, the fact that uh, their revenues have uh, diminished and therefore they have no capacity to finance mm. bulk. So part of our mandate Leon, is to finance the bulk. So I want to just direct you and uh, some of the listeners here mm. go to Infrastructure South Africa website mm. and uh, fill in there this um, a submission that you make. Essentially, we want the profile of your project, how many units you want to build, how many people will be employed, what is the size of the ticket, like the value of the project, and what kind of assistance do you need. And we should be able to help you. I mean, as I speak to you, Denzel, Uh uh, we are helping about seven mega projects that are going to, to the value of 130 3 billion rents. Mm. We're injecting about, I think it's 3.2 billion rents uh, to ensure that those uh, projects take off. And these are private sector sponsored projects. Mm. They followed, of course, uh, a rigorous process uh, in the with the office. And that process is not more than six months. For as long as you've got uh, all the project information, we work with private sector to ensure that uh, their contribution to the growth of the economy, addressing unemployment, uh, it's significant because the state alone will not be able to address 
address these challenges. But the state must not abrogate its responsibilities Mm. to lead. So the the state leads, it champions, catalyzes the investment, crowding private sector investment, and we're able to get the things going. And just to a question of food, just in conclusion, is that you can see, I mean, we are are going to be, the next phase is to place a greater levels of focus on the commuter rail. It's absolutely correct. I think uh, the cost of he also raised the question of maintaining it. Yes, yes, yes. So, so what? If you you go to the Gazette, you will see there's a whole chapter that is dedicated to what we call a project life cycle approach. So, essentially, it's from conceptualization to decommissioning, mm. including amongst those uh, maintenance. So, one of the things that we're advocating for, and National Treasury has uh, introduced, is that uh, for municipalities, at least eight percent of the rent value of your asset mm. must be directed to 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 maintenance, and we are going to introduce that. A discipline. So, for every project that we support, there is a, a requirement that there has to be a component of uh, maintenance because the replacement costs are significantly yes. higher. And we can see uh, that with the rail, right? Cost. Yes, and we can yes. see that I with the rail infrastructure. Absolutely, absolutely. So, the replacement costs are significantly higher and just uh, maintaining. And the cost, not just in, in replacing the asset, but the cost to the economy, the cost to uh, to the population, like Sifudu was saying, people spend uh, up to 40% uh, of uh, mm. of their income just on traveling. They spend about, on average, 40 minutes, one directional, just uh, uh, commuting from home to work. So it just uh, uh, degrades their quality of life. So it's important that you place an emphasis on, on maintenance as we build uh, new assets going into the future. Dr. Jose Dr. Enzo Ramachopa, I have to end it there. Uh, lovely chatting to you again. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.